Today's program has been brought to you by Considered Bardwell Farm, the first cheese-making co-op in Vermont. For more information, visit www.considerbardwellfarm.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, this is Diane Stemple, and you're listening to Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. My guests today are Everett Presley, Director of Specialty Foods at the Wine Library in Springfield, New Jersey, and Paul Price, currently the Green Market NYC Manager for Consider Bardwell Farm, Vermont Cheesemaker. Hello to both of you. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you for coming. Great. Thanks for having us. Yeah. You're very welcome. So uh, I have crossed paths with both of these guys in the cheese world uh, more than once through various jobs, and I thought they would be very good examples to talk about cheese paths, uh, pathways through your cheese career, how you got started, what were you thinking, where are you going to go, that kind of thing. So... Um, First of all, let me ask you, Paul, what did you study in school? Uh, are we talking about college? College, or? college. Where did uh, you go to college and what did you study? Sure. I went to Washington University in St. Louis mm-hmm. and I studied, I got a BFA in photography. Oh, and, an uh, artist. Yeah. You'd be surprised. I feel like every single person I meet in this business has like a former life as an artist. Right. It's so strange. Um yeah, so I studied uh, photography, but I've also been to many other schools since then. Uh, uh-huh. Too many. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did get a uh, a degree from the Culinary Institute of America. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of my first step into this world. So. Okay, okay. Well, I have a question first. Was your family very focused on enjoying food and cooking? Yes, actually. Um, we had a local cheese and coffee shop and we went there every Saturday and uh, then we'd get fresh bread and there was a farmer's market right there. Wow. So yeah and then we have. Where was that? Was that in St. Louis? That was in St. Louis. I actually grew up a block from the campus that I went to but uh, so we would have uh, Saturday lunch outdoors with a baguette and cheese and so cheese has always been a part of my family. And your parents kind of taught you to eat it and like it. Yes. Oh, cool, cool. How about you, Everett? Where did you? What did you study in school? Where did you go first? Go to school? Well, I jumped around from for a few different schools, but ultimately ended up graduating with a BS in culinary arts at uh, Mississippi University for women. Um, for women. For women. Yeah. Uh, school has been taken men for quite a while, but never decided to change the name. And uh-huh. I think till the, to this day is still Mississippi University for women. Okay. But um, yeah. I went there for culinary arts, but it was mm-hmm. a Bachelor of Science program, so it was a little bit, a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately ended up going to uh, NYU for a little bit of grad school um, in, uh, in food studies um, in that program. And that's ultimately where I ended up meeting Rob Caulfield and kind of fell into cheese. Mm-hmm. Now, did your parents, uh, I know you lived in a lot of different places. Did your parents love food, love cooking, or was it something know. you... They absolutely love food. I mean, mm-hmm. we're... Technically, I was born in Mississippi, but I was raised 
kind of, for the most part, in Brazil. My parents mm -hmm. were missionaries, and so when I was 10, we moved down to Brazil. Um, but all throughout, we've always, you know, been a very food-driven family, mm -hmm. um, exploring new things, tasting new things. And so, you know, going to Brazil was no different. You know, going to, you know, every corner a, there's a bread store making fresh bread every day, and the the cheese element in Brazil wasn't too heavy. Right, I would think um, so. You know, there was a you know some carryover from you know ob obviously all the colonial stuff, but it was kind of a smaller cheese scene. It was a big time beef industry, mm -hmm. and that's what where most of the ca you know the cattle ended up. Okay, what uh, Everett? What was your very first food job? Very first food job, uh, waiting tables. Mm -hmm. um, uh, freshman year of college, um, at a now burned down <laughs> restaurant in Jackson, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. um, and um, but you were studying food, so you already no no knew. at that at that point in time oh, okay. I w was I think officially pre dental or had. <laughs> Switched over to art education. I was somewhere in that midst. So not yet on food. Not at all. yet on food at all. Mm -hmm. um, and it was kind of funny too because the uh, my uh, I departed ways there and kind of non favorable. I was actually let go and was told that I would never make it in the food industry. It was kind of one of the verbatim things that the the guy said as he was firing me. So I was fired I still as a waitress. I, I was still fired as a waitress. I, I only lasted a week though. <laughs> no, I. Spent, I I was there for quite, quite a while, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, how the restaurant industry goes sometimes. Okay. What about you? What was your first food job, Paul? Um, I, the dishwasher count? Yes. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> when I was, uh, when I was 16, I decided I needed to get a job and I didn't even, I, for some reason I got into my head that I had to be a dishwasher first. It was like you wanted the, to be. the job that I needed to be. I don't, I felt like the quintessential 16 year old job at the time it was just so weird. Mm -hmm. Did and you I need working papers for that job? Uh, no. no. <laughs> it was a dishwasher at this horrible place in downtown St. Louis called Café de France. Mm -hmm. And it had a very French <laughs> chef. And um, and uh, I remember the chef taunting me all the time. And they had these super gross practices like... Uh, reusing uh, leftover wine from glasses and wow. cooking and uh, taking eaten bread and grinding it up into breadcrumbs. I'm hoping this restaurant's not open <laughs> anymore. Are they <laughs> listening? Cafe de France, downtown St. <laughs> Louis. Um. Uh, and the chef was horrible to me. And uh, I remember one day. Why? He, he, I, it's just what that's what he mm -hmm. does. You know? Okay. And. Um, I remember one day he made a very special dessert. It was a chocolate meringue cookie, and he made his own vanilla ice cream. And uh, he was having the entire staff try it. Like, everybody tasted it. And uh, th they were all, like, walking around eating their ice cream and meringue. And he saw me in the corner, and he goes, Oh, you poor baby, you're sucking. And then <laughs> he brings it over to me, and he, and he gives me one. Which, oh, thanks. And I taste it, and I go, mmm, tastes like a frozen Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know? And a week later, I had another job. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that was an insult? Yeah, no, <laughs> I knew what I was doing. <laughs> so, uh, can you tell me the story of how you fell in love with cheese? Well, sure, yeah. I remember growing up, my dad would buy a half-wheel Stilton for Christmas every year. Mm -hmm. And we would definitely, like, spread that on celery. It was very traditional. And then uh, 
I just every Saturday we had I was like brie and bread and prosciutto and uh, so I just grew up that way I mean uh, both both my parents studied in Europe and come from a, that sort of food background so mm-hmm. it was very natural to just be into cheese mm-hmm. and um, you didn't have to rebel and go no. the other way but I think the first time I really was like into the product was uh, I got my first job after culinary school here in New York and was at Whole Foods and I just sort of lucked out you were in the Bowery store when I the fromagerie opened yes I was actually one of the people hired to help run the fromagerie there were six of us at the time and they gave us a ton of training I don't even know how they got I got selected for this group and we met all these crazy people and people from Neil Jardere Neil Jardere Irving Mons right. Gufanti like all the big cheese houses I mean and like excellent I, training yeah like uh, uh, Daphne Zeppos gave me my first cheese class like mm-hmm. uh, it was it it was just an amazement of like the people that surrounded me there, and they brought in this gentleman from Neil's Yard who used to work there, um, Evan, and he basically worked with me one on one and the other staff too for about uh, eight weeks, I guess. Wow! And he really imparted a a love of cheese. It, it was like every time you meet with a customer, it's a communion. Uh, slicing the cheese off with a knife and handing it immediately to the customer and just eating with the customer all the time it was like and you begin to taste things and different flavors and you don't think of people as customers anymore you just Mm -hmm. think of you just think about more like the cheese and eating it with people Mm -hmm. and then talking about it and that was wonderful that must have been irresistible i mean that was a great a great opportunity yeah, no, it's like you taste Wensleydale and it can be like a very boring cheese, but then you can sit there with Evan and taste Wensleydale and then suddenly all these flavors sort of come out and you mm-hmm. just you realize how satisfying a cheese that is. Mm. How about you, Everett? When how did you fall in love with cheese? Well, mine was probably a little bit more along the lines of a lot of prob- probably most of America where it was all pasteurized, you know, processed, all the grocery store stuff. But honestly, when I was a little kid, like before we even moved to Brazil, I remember like during the holidays, it was one of my favorite things to get those really, I mean, I look on them now and know they're absolutely horrible, but there's this nostalgia for those, those, uh, cheese and sausage sets that we would have in them, like the mall kiosks around the holiday season. And it would be just, you know, like a summer sausage and a couple of mustards. And, and as a kid, I would devour those (laughs) and absolutely devour them. Particularly Um, the cheese or just the whole... Particularly the, the cheese, um, but the whole package in mm-hmm. general. I mean, like having like, you know, having a whole selection of things to play with and see, yeah. you know, stacking them up, you yeah, know, and, very and seeing which one tastes right, and which about one tastes those. better together. Yeah. And even though you're only dealing with really kind of lowest common denominator product, it's still fun to play around with and experiment. And it's kind it's of like you know, Lunchables. It's it's like Lunchables, <laughs> but with with a with a larger palette to play right, with. You right, know? right, and, and that was. Um, you know, I guess that's probably why Lunchables are so successful. But right. uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know that's that's where it came from. Um, but then ultimately, like I said, my family was a really big food family. So you know, wherever we were, we always were eating good. And then when we when I came back from Brazil and was in the U.S., it was just one of those things as exploring as much as possible. And then uh, and after I ended up in culinary school and then going to NYU, really getting. I mean, I like. 
for example, September 12th, 2000, uh, 2001 was when I had my first everything bagel. You know, it's one of those things of like... The day after 9-11. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Because, I mean, it was... And you remember that. I distinctly remember that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of those things like after, after it happened, we ended up going out to Long Island to a friend of mine's house and it was her Italian mother completely loading us up with... I mean, there was like six of us and we had six pizzas and like... 12 calzone, you know, 12 mm-hmm. sandwiches. And then she also had gone out and gotten McDonald's and then she pulled out all the leftovers. And it was just like, you know, not that there was a cheese course, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of cheese involved in this meal. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there's, there's something about uh, just exploring the different foods and being in different places and, and doing it. Um, and then when I met Rob Caulfield, I just mm-hmm. kind of like, he was doing one of those. I, I kind of fell into cheese as far he was as being doing one a profession of his things at your school. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I had um, I had like volunteered to assist, so I didn't have to pay to take the class. Right. <laughs> and right. Uh, so, um, and you know, at the end of the thing, he was like, you know, if you ever want a job, you know, give me a call. And it was like a year or so later, I was like, hey, remember me? <laughs> and um, and I literally have been doing cheese ever since mm-hmm. in, in some capacity. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing to leave once you're into it. It. There's a lot of really cool people, and there's a—I mean, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, it's one of those things you can go home stinking, but it's a different kind of stink than what most people go home stinking like. <laughs> you know, it's—you uh, know—there's something about it. It definitely soaks into you. Mm-hmm. Now you've both worked at Whole Foods. Yeah. You—you you had a yes. short stint there. About a, almost a year combined total. Uh huh. And uh, you've worked at a variety of stores. Well, you've—you've you've worked for Bittersweet Plantation, so he did a stint at the cheese. At yeah. a cheesemaker. Working nice. for sales for, for a cheesemaker. Mm-hmm. And worked for the Fresh Market, worked for Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Um, was at Murray's for like three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And then um, have been at the Wine Library in New Jersey for almost six years now. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a long time. Wow. Yeah. So your history is you started at Whole Foods. I started cheese at Whole wise. Foods, yeah. And... Uh, uh, after about a year, um, all of the staff that they had set aside for the fromagerie was gone was gone the store <laughs> did not meet its promise it, well to say it gently to say it gently yeah but it was a fabulous <laughs> there case there some really high expectations i believe for that yes store. yes yes european uh, expectations yes <laughs> uh so the, but that was just a. I mean i was in contact with producers constantly mm-hmm. and I was getting feedback from there were all these people that were invested in that project and they kept coming back and checking in on it and I was always there when they came back and uh, and then I began buying and uh, and then since then I've worked at Lucy's Way and mm-hmm. I've worked for Considered Bardwell Farm mm-hmm. which is so you've kind of gone American first I've gone Lucy's American, Way yeah. has mm-hmm. is almost is I've all American and now you're selling American yeah, I, well, I feel like I'm one of the least traveled mongers I know. That's for oh, sure. no. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't count the four-hour trip to Vermont and back that I make every other week. So. Okay. Okay. Okay, well, I think it's time for a break. Uh, we'll be back with Cutting the Curd with my guests, Paul Price and Everett Presley, after the break. You're listening to Home of Emptiness by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org.
like to send a special thank you to our latest business member, Consider Bardwell. 300-acre Consider Bardwell Farm was the first cheesemaking co-op in Vermont, founded in 1864 by Consider Stebbins Bardwell himself. A century later, Angela Miller, Russell Glover, and Chris Gray are revitalizing the tradition. Their cheeses are made by hand in small batches from whole, fresh milk that is antibiotic and hormone-free. Only microbial rennet is used in their cheesemaking. All cheeses are aged on the farm in their extensive system of caves. For more information or to purchase cheese, visit ConsiderBardwellFarm.com. To learn more about becoming a business member, email us, info at heritageradionetwork.org. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m., you can call food scientist Dave Arnold and ask any question you want. John from Chicago, you're on the air. Hey, hey, Dave. Who am I fooling? This is horrible stuff. Without glutamic acid, you die. It is a matter of taste, but there's a lot more fat in sausage than you think. Get ahead of the curve. Tune into Cooking Issues every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Hi, I'm Diane Stemple, Cutting the Curd. We're back again with Paul Price and Everett Presley, who both of them have worked for really years now as cheesemongers. So we're going to discuss some cheesemonger questions. Bring it on. (laughs) I think, Paul, you asked, you had brought up what's the most frequently asked question to a cheesemonger? Oh, man. Now my my brain is totally going blank. Well, now, I want you, though, to also not answer just as consider Bardwell Farm. Sure. Because then you're only dealing with a few cheeses. It's true. Right. I want you to sort of step back into your Lucy w- Lucy's Way or Whole Food behind the counter. <laughs> sure. Okay. You know, to sort of a more, you know, a more... Well, I, I think, I don't know. I remember getting, uh, does this have salt in it? A lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, or... I always thought the salt question had to do with price. It, bizarrely enough. Really? I thought when you handed somebody cheese from Murray's, when they said, this is too salty, they actually meant... This is too uh, expensive. Just using it as a right, d- right. I'm just right. I don't want this okay. cheese, and it's too salty, and and it, but it's really too expensive. Now, people definitely do that. I mean, it, it, with salty or anything, I mean, they'll they'll come up with any excuse if it if you know you can kind of almost see sometimes that like ah oh, they're they're liking it, they're liking it, and then they see the price tag. It's it's one of those like <laughs> it, you know like if you feed somebody. I don't remember being in a in a place where a guy had cooked up a whole plate. One half had filet mignon, and the other half had pig testicles. And they were both prepared exactly the same way. And once they were on the platter, it looked almost identical. Okay. And people were eating them, and it was like, oh, these are great. This is great. This is great. And then it was that, like, the second they were told what it was, this, like, it went from being well, that's delicious to... Well, no, it absolutely was a trick. <laughs> oh. I mean, you know, but at the same time, like... That mental, you know, what your brain does. Right, you have to, to detach you, yourself. Yeah, what your brain does, what your thoughts can do to what you're eating are, like, well beyond what you can actually control. Right, right, right. And, I mean, so, but, I mean, that's kind of getting away from the point of being salty, being a, <laughs> right, like a, an right, excuse right, not I, to get it because of the, yeah, the price. I think actually. it's just, usually for me, people are afraid of salt. Afraid <laughs> of salt. <laughs> they just are. <laughs> and why are they afraid of salt? Uh, well, it's like this whole uh, nutrient crazed uh, culture. Culture where people 
are concerned about the percentage of fat and mm-hmm. percentage of this mm-hmm. and that to, to have this in it and they're not thinking about their food as a whole item right so they're looking for the, where are your low fat cheeses oh. yeah and they yeah. probably shouldn't be coming to any of us well, with that question well at the market at Greenberg I mean I don't make low fat cheeses right yeah. <laughs> right so um, what do you think is the most frequently asked cheesemonger question Everett I mean, it, it definitely over the years it's changed. Uh, I mean, it, it kind of the the trends of what's going on definitely kind of play a role in what people are actually coming in and asking about. I mean, you know, whatever new fad diet is going to influence what people are asking, and you know, if it's uh, got listed on you know, Oprah said something about it, or Martha <laughs> said something about it, or you know, and a lot, I, I find that that is kind of one of the things that's kind of drives a lot of the questions um, mm-hmm. more than uh, anything specifically about like nutrition or, or like you know more recently it's been locality and, and, and how where where is this made right. and that sort right. of thing and, and then once again it's just kind of like it's just following the trends of what you're seeing on food blogs and in right. restaurants and what people are thinking about and then you know, are being told to think about and, and mm-hmm. obliging and going along. Have you increased your local cheeses at, at Wine Library? Um, I carry the local cheeses that will sell. Okay. Because this is a business, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, so not everything that's just But over the six years, has well, it increased? As oh. default, yeah, that's, you know, the cheeses have gotten better. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. No, I would right. definitely say that. Certainly. Yeah. You know. So there's more of them, and there's there's more that are better. Right. That's true. It, it does make it easier. Okay. What would you say is uh, the stupidest question you've ever been asked? Can you remember the stupidest question? Does this have milk in it? <laughs> <laughs> and how did you keep a straight face? <laughs> did you just say yes? Yes. <laughs> you just. Actually, um, one of the cheesemongers that works with me at market, uh, her tactic is to just turn around. <laughs> when she doesn't like the question? Yeah. When she, when Do you, you say jump something, in then? Do you jump in? If well, I wait for a second because I, I kind of want the person to get the full effect of the turning around. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, in the end, yeah, I'll step in. I remember at Murray's, we used to, if we were bored, we would sometimes compete for who's going to have the worst customer of the day. And <laughs> <laughs> it sometimes wasn't hard. <laughs> and you would want like someone to come over and witness your bad customer so you yeah. could get the credit for having dealt with the bad customer. I had an experience like that at a restaurant recently. I uh, I ordered the cheese appetizer mm-hmm. knowing I just knowing knew it was going to be trouble. It was it was like going to be horrible. <laughs> this like was looking? there seared tuna on the menu as well? It was like some sort of, it was a white bean dish with a burrata in it. Uh-oh. And it was $8. And I said, it was a nice restaurant. This is mm-hmm. a place where the entrees are in the 20s. So okay. I was like, what is this going to be? So you ordered it? I ordered it. And it came? More out of curiosity than actually thinking it was going to yeah. be any good? Or yeah. yeah. <laughs> so was you were going to be their worst customer? I guess so. <laughs> Did you complain? No, no, no. Oh. When you order a dish like that, you 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 roll with the punches. Well, right. Was it absolutely horrible into. though, or was it? Uh, did they actually pull something out that was? Well, I'll just say that my dinner, the people I was eating dinner with, were were satisfactory. So, 
Who who cares about the food? Okay. What is the easiest cheese to sell? Everett, what would you say is the easiest cheese to sell right now? Um, I'd say probably anything that has truffles in it. People, ah. like, in my in my area right now... Truffles are big. Truffles are big. Huh. People are... And those are not cheap. They're not cheap. I mean, they're, you know, it's one of those things that... To me, it's all... It's truffle flavor with some texture, so right. I'm not too keen on most of, it, uh, of what's available out there. There's only a few that I think are, you know, worth eating mm-hmm. on a regular. And I mean, truffle—it's one of those things. It's such an overwhelming flavor that it, you know most people just go, "Boom! Here's some truffle," and it's—I want it. Yeah, and okay. well, and they, they want it to dominate, and oh, it okay. ultimately where everything else kind of stands to the wayside, where. Everything else is un- unimportant. It's just about the truffle flavor. Mm-hmm. Do you have truffle tremor? No. Ah. Do you know what it is? It's humble fog yes. with a tiny bit of truffle. Yes. It's probably seasonal. Uh, I'm not I sure about. I don't think that's no, seasonal. I don't think it's. I don't <laughs> think it's seasonal. Um, okay. But it, it it only makes a very rare appearance okay. behind my counter. And what do you think is the uh, easiest cheese to sell? The easiest cheese to sell is um, Manchester. Uh. No. no, the easiest Currently. cheese. To Currently, <laughs> and how easiest, come? How well, come? the easiest cheese to sell is always the one that's tasting the best. Okay, and oh. all you have to do you is have confidence in your customers, right? Well, all you have to do is get across the threshold and get them get the flavor on their tongue, mm-hmm. and and as long as it's a great cheese, it's going to happen. Now you can see your Neil's Yard dairy training there because yes. they want the cheese in your mouth so that you. Taste it and love it and buy it. Right. That's it's, you know, it's exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm you at. have so many samples at Wine Library. At Wine Library, they'll have how many samples at a time? Well, Ten? A 15? lot of times have anywhere from a dozen to two dozen passive yeah. samples going at any point in time. Which it's a very generous We, we have kind shop. of curtailed in the past uh, week or so with um, in reverence to the... Uh, potential flu season going around <laughs> oh wow not, trying not to, to spread that around any, anymore and, and customers have actually had a good response to that usually it's if if we have like one cheese is missing its sample out we get people going Where where's is the sample for this one <laughs> this sample's empty and you and know, you've told them we're, we're cutting back because of flu we put season? a bunch of signs out so ah. it's you know it's clear that, like you know flu season we're we're trying not to get you sick right right now. and we'll be back and not, not that not that we're trying to get you sick but all the other fools that are sticking their hands in here are, are right, trying to get right, you sick right. um and you'll yeah, be no, back we, in in march we yeah no we'll, as soon as uh, as soon as it stops popping up every day on the news we'll we'll start bringing bringing sampling <laughs> back because i mean it, it does it drives sales it's one of those yeah. things i usually I, I deal with generally a kind of non- cheese backgrounded staff so ultimately I, I rely on the cheese to sell itself and putting it out there and letting people taste it is the best way to do it you know somebody can tell you where it's from who made it and tell you a story about the time they visited the farm or the person can take two seconds and put it in their mouth and taste it and you know both of them ultimately can sell the product but you know it's faster you, to you have put to work with what mouth. you got and, and and get the product out there and mm-hmm. you know i think it, and it also works that we never have any old cheese Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yes. Now, what uh, if someone says, "Okay, it's you know Super Bowl soon"? What what kind of cheese would you sell for beer or for Super Bowl? Uh, Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> now you're no, supposed no. to be pretend you're a cheesemonger. Uh, oh man. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. No. Uh, Dorset. Well. 
There's a beer for every cheese. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I think I for if I'm at the market, I'd probably push Paula. Okay. Just because people love to melt cheese for the Super Bowl. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's our big melter. Okay. Um, and if I was not, the, it always struck me weird uh, that people, when I did work at Lucy's Way or Whole Foods, uh, people, when they were having parties like that, they would buy the ritziest, obvious cheeses. And I just don't feel like that's a holiday for that. Right. That's, it's a holiday. Right. It's a holiday. That's when you pull the cheddar out. Yeah. Cheddar. That's when you pull the jack out. That's right. when you. Prima Donna. I remember Prima Donna was a very safe uh, crowd pleaser. <laughs> That's when you get the fromage de fumoir. Because right. you know right. what? You got 10 friends over and they don't all appreciate cheese. Right. Right. And, and it's not even the focus of the event. <laughs> so everything, it's going to be, you know, everybody's going to be focused on the TV anyway. Yeah. So ultimately, it's all about just some really safe choices uh-huh. that. Everyone's going to love it. Nothing that's going to be like, you know, where one person's going, oh, that one was horrible. And then, oh, you missed the winning field goal. And like, uh, you know, the, the distracting conversations okay. or things like that. Okay. One more question before we're, we're done. How about what cheese do you bring home for a special occasion? Hmm. Recently, for me, I would have to say Harbison. Hmm. Okay. That's... That's one for me that is just always on the money, just perfect texture, flavor, mm-hmm. um, and very satisfying to me. A Vermont cheese yes. from the cellars of Jasper Hill, absolutely, for whom I work. And how about you? Uh, well, recently uh, my roommate works at a European cheese shop, and mm-hmm. he has been getting a line on some uh, robiolas that have been wrapped in leek. Mm. And they're pretty young, and they're raw. I won't say how young they are. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Barely legal. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe not even. <laughs> but they are fantastic. Okay. Oh my gosh. Um, so that would be your your current. Well, that's what I would bring up to the farm right now and have the cheesemakers try. Although I have to say, if I'm in the caves at the farm. Uh, consider Barwell. There are a couple of experiments around. Oh, Ooh. good, good. Will we be Some seeing any of them on the market? Well, uh, they're slowly trickling out. Mm-hmm. I mean, Slyboro, which uh, Saxelby sells, was mm-hmm. definitely a result of that. Slyboro. Slyboro. I love the name. Yeah, it cider washed goat cheese, soft sneaky. and fudgy. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. It's like an Iberian classic from Vermont. <laughs> Okay, well, our time is up. I want to thank Paul Price and Everett Presley for being my guests on Cutting the Curd. You can get uh, this show on either Stitcher or iTunes for free, or you can find it on www.heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks a lot, and we'll be back next week. Thank Thank you. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.